focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us in the studio, we have our reporters, Kwon Zhua and Yi Ji-sun. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. All right, uh, we're going to start things off at the uh, presidential office. Uh, just a day after suspending the daily doorstepping meetings with journalists over COVID-19 concerns, uh, we did talk about it. Uh, we also did talk about kind of maybe other reasons other than COVID-19 re- concerns uh, for why uh, President Yoon Sagir decided to suspend this. But nevertheless, uh, President Yoon took questions again today, uh, but did take some, I guess, uh, distancing measures uh, with the journalists uh, over concerns of COVID-19 once again. So, so I guess, start us off with this. Sure. So the doorsteppings at the presidential office in Yongsan were kind of symbolic with the launch of the Yoon administration as the president was really open to taking questions on a daily basis in a casual format when he arrived at the office in the morning. So doorstepping refers to the act of journalists who wait in front of someone's house. Uh, that's where the door comes from to obtain information or photographs as well. So there is that kind of doorstepping, but also more kind of scheduled doorsteppings. And uh, I just want to give an example. When I used to be a full-time reporter at Arirang TV and I was the correspondent at the Foreign Affairs Ministry, back then we used to have many of those doorsteppings when, for instance, a minister from from abroad would come to Korea and then hold a meeting with the South Korean foreign minister. And we would be kind of informed when the talks will end and when those ministers will, for instance, take the elevator and uh, step out of the uh, second floor, for instance. Then we would know that they will be there and then we would do that kind of brief Q&A session. Yeah, so I thought you were going to say uh, you went through doorstepping. No, uh, no I wish. Okay. <laughs> Maybe in five years. Okay. okay. <laughs> anyway, so that's the kind of uh, routine doorstepping uh, we're talking about with the UN administration. But following COVID-19 infections in the press room, which is located in the same building as the president's office, the sessions were temporarily suspended. I think as of yesterday, there were 11 confirmed cases within those press corps. But that suspension appears to have lasted just a day following the announcement early Monday. President Yoon seok this morning, in fact, when arriving at the office building, stopped as usual, and then he greeted the press, mentioning they all seem to have appeared there despite recommendations to work from home if possible and despite uh, knowing that doorstepping was suspended. But he was standing seven to eight meters away from the journalists and not like one to two meters like they usually do. So when asked whether a doorstepping at such physical distance would be okay, uh, President Yoon told them to ask uh, questions if they have, and they did, but they had to do it by raising their voices, of course, due to that distance. And they asked him about the government's COVID-19 response measures, on which Yoon said a related meeting among health authorities was held yesterday and Prime Minister Han Dok-su is set to preside over a COVID-19 response meeting on Wednesday. So following that, uh, basic policies are expected to be revealed. He also received a question on how to deal with the economy, upon which he replied, the most important thing is to make sure the people's livelihoods are not hit by the economic situation. I find it so interesting that uh, they told the uh, the journalists, listen, uh, no more doorstepping, and uh, they s- decide they're going to show up anyways, and uh, they were treated with 
doorstepping session from mm-hmm. uh, President Yoon once again. But so I guess the big question is, right? I mean, is this going to resume? How, is the the doorstepping uh, session going to resume from now on? What's going on after this? Right. That is highly likely, as the president was asked whether a doorstepping will take place tomorrow, and he said, "If it's okay with you, let's set it up in a few days." And he was uh, with setting up. He was apparently referring to a press line. So it looks like the COVID nineteen outbreak among the press corps was the major reason for the suspension or the resumption was to uh, brush off speculations that the doorstepping was halted over declining approval rates as President Yoon's impromptu remarks apparently may have got to do with those. The presidential office um, had insisted that they just wanted to diminish direct and indirect contact between the president and journalists among the COVID outbreak. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, the reporters, because uh, they had the seven to eight meter distance. They actually had to raise their voices, uh, which makes which means yeah. more things are going to pop out right. from so their mouths. Within them, maybe it could be actually even more dangerous. Yeah. Although the president is more farther farther away than before. No, because you're right. I mean, but the, the thing is, there was speculation, and I'll be honest with you. I'll be for one of the first people to say I, I think maybe the reason why they stopped the doorstepping session is because of the declining uh, approval rating. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. even some of his party members were saying, well, Yoon Sa-gye, you know, I, I, President Yoon, he should kind of hold back on this doorstepping session. There needs to be more formal uh, press briefings instead of this, these uh, impromptu uh, you know, the sessions and uh, anything could happen, right? He, he could mistakenly say something, which is going to lead to more approval ratings, you know, going down right now. And and from what I understand, I mean, some of the uh, the, the surveys say it's like 37% approval rating. Uh, but seeing that he's going to be taking this distancing measures and still hold this uh, turns out it shows that that's not the reason why and they were legitimately just concerned with COVID-19 but so what uh, it, <laughs> of all the people that would actually bring up that concern you're actually right uh, <laughs> you know the whole shouting thing mm-hmm. right this means that there might be more spreading going on in fact uh, you know we'll talk about COVID-19 related stuff maybe later on but uh, it, it doesn't look good uh, in the meantime the presidential office again has been relocated as we've talked about from uh, way back uh, to, to the blue house to the ministry of uh, the national defense complex in Yongsangu district and another thing that we haven't really been talking about so far I mean doorstepping we've been seeing the journalist kind of uh, meet him at his private residence, right? So there's still the plans to relocate the presidential residence. The place has been under construction for a while. Is there any updates on this uh, particular matter, Chi-sun? Well, as we all know, the president and the first lady currently lives in Sochodong, and he commutes to the presidential office in Yongsan from his private home. However, this is going to change quite soon. An official gave an announcement today that President Yu's new official residence is expected to be ready as early as this week. Uh, this means that the president and the first lady will be able to move in at the end of this month or mid-August next month at the latest. Uh, one official said that the construction of his new residence in Hanamdong near the presidential office is at its final stage and that it is expected to be completed by Friday this week. However, he also said that there could be delays because of weather conditions, particularly because of the monsoon season. Uh, the new residence belonged to the former foreign minister, but now it is currently being renovated. Earlier this year in May, 
the president announced his plan to relocate the presidential office to Yongsan, and he said that his relocating effort will cost a total of 49.6 billion won. And with the completion of the construction of the new residence, all of the relocation will be finalized within the said budget. After he moves into the new residence, his commute time will be shortened. Uh, currently, even with the motorcade, it takes the president at least 10 minutes to commute from his private home. He has been living for a decade with his wife since their marriage. Uh, however, from the new residence, it's likely that it is only going to take about five minutes for him to get to the presidential office. So what is going to happen to the house that Seo Chodong he's currently living in? Uh, he has no intentions of selling it right away, and it is likely to be left vacant for at least a while. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just because you're not using that house, I'm <laughs> sure he owns that house, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the uh, the whole situation with that is. I'm sure he owns it, but I mean, it's not like they're going to force him to sell it just because he has this uh, presidential residence. Right. But uh, it's interesting. All right. So for, I mean, I still think 10 minutes is really short. But uh, of course, as the president, he would have to be at the presidential residence uh, five minutes to get to work. I mean, that's incredible there. Uh, staying with some presidential issues here, the government ministries this week, uh, very busy in briefing President Yoon Suk-yeol on their core tasks ahead. Uh, so we talked about, I believe uh, the first one that was held yesterday was uh, the, the finance ministry, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, what about today? What departments were present for their reports today, Soa? Well, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy and the Ministry of SMEs and Startups had to do their policy briefings today. President Yoon song yeol earlier this morning was said to have been briefed by the two ministries' respective ministers, Yi Chang-yang and Yi Yong, on their key tasks and policy plans. Again, due to the recently worsened COVID-19 situation, uh, today's meetings were reportedly held without any working-level officials in attendance, but a one-on-one with the president. Uh, But not just out of virus concerns, President Yoon had ordered this kind of reporting and not uh, one uh, participated by a vast number of ministry officials. This afternoon, we hear that President Yoon called on the industry minister to swiftly rebuild the nuclear power industry and distribute work within the sector. And uh, we did recently speak about how President Yoon had unveiled uh, the new energy plan, which is focusing on increasing the generation of nuclear energy power. And Minister Yi Chang-yang was said to have said that the ministry is to provide work worth 130 billion won or 99 million U.S. dollars roughly to companies in the nuclear power industry. And that would include work for the resumption of constructions of the Shinhanu 3 and 4 nuclear reactors. To the Minister of SMEs and Startups Yi Yong, Yoon requested to help in creating a fair environment for suppliers of raw materials by adjusting unit prices on the heels of recent increases in raw material costs. And he also asked uh, to help startups grow into big global firms, for instance, by rooting out unfair trade practices, etc. Now, uh, we're going to move on to some uh, foreign relations-related stories. Uh, You know, we talked about uh, all of Friday. We talked about this yesterday as well. Certainly the news that really shocked uh, not just all of Japan, but uh, the rest of the world as well. Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe having been shot and killed on Friday. Uh, We did talk about a memorial altar uh, being set up. President Yoon actually did visit 
the memorial altar uh, set up in Korea for him. Jisun, let's get the details of this. Yes, President Yoon Suk-yeol visited the memorial altar for former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe in the Japanese Embassy in Korea and sent his condolences to the Japanese people and the bereaved family of the deceased. He wrote in the visitor's log that he hopes that the former Prime Minister of Japan, who has contributed greatly to the prosperity and development of Asia, rests in peace. And he also wrote that he hopes that the two closest neighbors, Japan and Korea, cooperate closely going forward. All right, uh, there you have it. Of course, uh, the talks about whether or not uh, any of the South Korean delegations are going to be uh, heading over to Japan. I believe uh, they're going to be setting up a schedule for that. So uh, hopefully we'll get some updates on that later on. Uh, also, South Korea uh, defense front. Uh, two days ago on Sunday, North Korea having fired these artillery shots twice. I was mentioning yesterday how uh, this was uh, kind of a surprising because we haven't heard much about North Korea in the past few weeks. And uh, we have been seeing, nevertheless, uh, 10 rise on the Korean Peninsula. And against this backdrop, we're expected to see South Korea and the U.S. conducting joint military drills next month. Uh, Jisun, also tell us more about this. Well, South Korea and the U.S. will be launching a joint military drill next month. And what is perhaps unusual with this drill is that it is a large-scale joint military drill unlike the ones we have been seeing in the past few years. According to the military yesterday, uh, Seoul and Washington will be conducting a virtual training called CCPT, which stands for a computer uh, simulation-based training exercise. But the officials said that a live outdoor drill is also being considered. Uh, the training in the past involved large-scale exercises such as Key Reserve and Full Eagle, and the joint drill has been conducted twice a year, spring and summer. However, this has scaled back in the past few years. In 2018, then-President Donald Trump met with Kim Jong-un, the leader of Pyongyang, in Singapore, and due to the pandemic, the scale of the drill was not able to go back as before. Only the virtual training, or the CCPT, was held with the minimal personnel. And now, as you mentioned, this year's exercise comes after North Korea's firing artilleries twice on Sunday. Also, starting this month, the military of North Korea seems to be conducting uh, its summertime military drill, but the drill seems to be interrupted by the heavy rain and the pandemic. Uh, if history is any indication, North Korea is not going to be happy with South Korea's military's announcement at all because Pyongyang has usually considered joint exercises between the U.S. and the South to be quote-unquote rehearsals for an invasion of the North, and it has usually responded with provocations. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, we had this talk uh, one Wednesday when uh, when we have North Korea now, one of the, uh, the North Korean refugees, uh, James, uh, he was saying that in the North Korean history classes, what they teach is that the Korean War started when the United States invaded North Korea is how the war started, which is why they always constantly mention that these drills, these joint drills are for invasion of the North, that whether or not they actually really believe that's true. Um, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, we've been seeing a lot of provocations, but I guess the big question now is that uh, the inevitable nuclear test, the nuclear weapons test, when that's going to happen, right? Uh, also related to South Korea, U.S. Alliance key aide to Anthony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, uh, made a visit to South Korea to discuss bilateral ties and other global issues with Seoul. So you have more on this. Right. State Department Counselor Derek Charlotte was in South Korea to talk about an array of issues. Uh, his main meeting was held with Deputy Foreign Minister for Political Affairs Yo Seung-bae on Tuesday. Charlotte on social media said it's great to be in Seoul and 
and uh, was glad to meet with y'all again. He tweeted, uh, the USRK or South Korea alliance is the linchpin of peace, security and prosperity in the Indo-Pacific and our nations are working closer than ever on a range of global issues. Speaking of global issues, apart from speaking on the Washington-Seoul alliance, he wrote they spoke on joint efforts on regional and global issues, adding he appreciates South Korea's partnership on Burma or Myanmar. The State Department had announced earlier that Charlotte on his two-day trip to South Korea would meet with government officials, academia and the civil society to strengthen to the two nations' alliance and coordinate on issues like the threat posed by North Korea as well as the ongoing crisis in Burma. That's how the U.S. refers to Myanmar. Uh, Charlotte, who is largely involved in ASEAN-related issues, is known for consistently voicing criticism on Myanmar's military and its rule in the country. Now, no details uh, were provided on what he meant by South Korea's partnership in regards to the issue. Uh, But uh, talking a little bit about the significance of this meeting, although we might not be that familiar with Charlotte, serving uh, at the rank of undersecretary as a senior policy advisor and consultant to Blinken, he is in charge of conducting special diplomatic assignments and guidance on major foreign policy issues. So that's one thing. And also, Tony Blinken, after making his own trip in Asia, is currently in the process of dispatching his top aides to the region. So not only South Korea, apparently in a move to increase engagement with countries in Asia. And it's no coincidence, according to experts, uh, that China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi is on a lengthy trip in Southeast Asia. So that shows that how uh, the U.S. is trying to, I guess, garner support from many of these countries including Southeast Asia, as China is trying to move to make that move as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the worst kept secret, right? I mean, this is exactly what the U.S. has been doing for quite some time, which is, I mean, we've been saying for the longest time that uh, once, uh, you know, after Biden won his election against Trump, that uh, one thing is not going to change. It's going to be, he's going to be actually even more hawkish against China, which also means that he's going to try to garner uh, even more allies in the, the Asia Pacific region. And it's exactly what we've been seeing. I mean, if I, I honestly, if it's not for the Ukraine war, I think there might be more focus on the Asia-Pacific region because of China-related issues. Uh, in the meantime, South Korean ambassador to the United States, uh, he is over in Washington, having met with U.S. Deputy Secretary of State to discuss uh, for talks on the similar matters here. Jason, let's get the details of this. Yes, on Monday, local time, Ambassador Cho Tae-yong posted on Facebook that he met Wendy Sherman, the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State at the State Department in Washington. Uh, he said that he, they discussed the Washington alliance and North Korea, especially as nuclear issue, and the state of affairs on the Korean Peninsula. According to the ambassador, Wendy Sherman has been involved in the issues surrounding the Korean Peninsula for quite a long time and served as North Korea policy coordinator. Cho Taehyung said that he will aid in further developing the alliance between the U.S. and South Korea by having closer communications with the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State and other U.S. officials. Next year will be the 70th anniversary of the South Korea and U.S. alliance, and the ambassador posted that he hopes to see the comprehensive strategic alliance quickly respond to the existing and rising global challenges in the 21st century. 
Cho Tae-yong also visited the Japanese embassy in the U.S. to express his condolences to the bereaved family of the deceased, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, and the people of Japan. As Korea Now discussed it last week and yesterday, he passed away last week on Friday after being shot during a campaign. That's right. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we go from the South Korean ambassador to the United States to the U.S. ambassador to South Korea after uh, a, a long period of time of not having an ambassador here representing uh, the United States for South Korea. We do have the new ambassador to South Korea, Phil Goldberg. Um, I think still because uh, he hasn't, of course, I mean, he's officially working now, but uh, we had never really, the, the people of Korea uh, didn't hear much about Phil Goldberg just yet. Uh, but once he's um, amongst a certain group, I guess, he's already uh, caused a bit of a controversy. Uh, I don't know why this is such a big deal, but uh, they are going to see him at a queer culture festival later this week. Uh, so, so uh, tell us more about this. Sure. So we're talking about the 23rd Seoul Queer Culture Festival that's going to be held on the 16th on Saturday in Seoul Plaza. So U.S. Ambassador to South Korea, Philip Goldberg, is set to take part in this festival, according to embassy officials, on Monday. And he is also slated to deliver remarks supporting rights of sexual minorities. Now, this is nothing unusual because the U.S. Embassy has long been advocating this annual event, with former ambassadors like Harry Harris and Mark Lippert also having attended the Seoul Queer Culture Festival during their time in office here. But uh, this time might be a little different, though, as there are anti-homosexuality groups that have been protesting against the new ambassador's appointment as they believe he is homosexual, something the embassy did not deny. Uh, police, meanwhile, will be on high alert and uh, standby at the festival as protests in general are planned, uh, with South Korea still a country much divided on issues regarding sexual minorities. And there is also going to be the ambassadors of Canada and New Zealand to participate, and uh, especially uh, recently due to the shooting of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, uh, the South Korean government has ordered extra strength and protection for the upcoming event. Uh, I find it interesting that this group said that they believe he is homosexual, is, <laughs> is what they said. I, I think he's come out, I think, is what it is. And so, I mean, we talked to... Uh, just last week, the uh, the New Zealand ambassador to South Korea, who has, of course, uh, openly come out. Uh, we know about his husband. Uh, they, he also did come out in the music video with Hong Suk Chan, which we talked about on the show as well. Uh, but it is a shame because, uh, you know, Philip Gore, he was ba basically met with a group of, uh, you know, certain religious groups uh, that were basically saying, you know, he should be out of the country as the ambassador because they didn't really like uh, homosexuals, which, again... Um, I mean, in this era, I think uh, more people should be open uh, to different, uh, I guess, uh, beliefs and ideas and sexualities as well. But uh, sometimes it is unfortunate we still see this uh, in 2022. Uh, regardless of the controversy on the, uh, I guess, the queer festival, uh, we do have... Oh boy, the COVID-19 infection numbers really surging over the past uh, few days and weeks as well. So uh, 
I'm sure you're very concerned with this. Uh, we're starting to also see people around us get infected with COVID-19 once again. Mm-hmm. Very concerning. Uh, how's the virus situation looking like right now? Right. Uh, well, Esther, you just mentioned, regardless of the controversy of uh, that uh, event that's coming up, it is uh, a quite um, you know open, public, large-scale event. And these days, I do actually see so many festivals. You know, the water bomb concerts. Yes, I mean, that, that, that was a big one, right? <laughs> that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Chisa, were you there at the water bomb concert? Uh, I'm guilty, but I have to say yes. <laughs> oh, no, she was among those. <laughs> I, you know, I actually threw that out there. I felt like she would be one of those people that really would enjoy that concert. Oh, I, yes, I just I threw it so out happy. there. <laughs> yeah, so again, a quick question though. Uh, you didn't have to be that honest. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no. But did people have face masks on at the concert? That's the well, other question. Well, some did, but I most really people didn't, didn't see people with masks on. That's why I was mentioning those large scale events because nowadays, because that event was an outdoor event, right? Mm. So you're not, it's not mandatory, I guess, but I was looking at those. Pictures, photos. photos. Oh my! Oh my! COVID is spreading in there. That, that was my yeah. thought when I saw mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, that's why I am concerned about those large scale events. Although I, pre-pandemic, before the pandemic, I was also one of those people who would love to enjoy those right, events. Right, right. Yeah, and I think it's also tough because, like, it's water bomb festival mm-hmm. where, like, you have water guns and water spraying around, and it's hard to have uh, masks. Although, you know couple of times that I did go to like the the water parks with my mm-hmm. kid we have like the the waterproof mask that they sell wow. nowadays but does it really is it really waterproof no, that's my question it does work oh, it, really? it, yeah it does work um it, it's it's not the most comfortable uh <laughs> but uh, it does absolutely work but nevertheless i mean sorry to put you on spotlight jesus and i guess you, you were <laughs> at the concert but so uh, I'll, nevertheless i continue on with this concerns yeah sure so uh we have we're having these concerns because now we're seeing more than 30,000 covid-19 cases a day. Uh, the KDCA reported 37,360 as of 12 a.m. this Tuesday. That's the highest daily figure in around two months. And it's uh, a week ago, it's compared to a week ago, it's uh, two times more than double the amount. And uh, two weeks ago, almost four times. So what this means, we're seeing this so-called doubling uh, phenomenon. And uh, that's the similar pattern uh, of the virus, uh, just like at the beginning of the Omicron wave early this year in January or February. And also, that's why currently daily cases, the average in the past week, uh, that now stands at above 20,000. And what's triggering the spread these days is especially the BA5 Omicron subvariant, especially um among imported cases. Imported cases are also on the rise with 260 reported today. That's the highest figure since late January. And uh, the BA5 Omicron variant, subvariant among domestic transmissions, I think that stands at around uh, 35% or so. But among imported cases, it's 70%. So this means that uh, especially the fast-spreading BA5 is coming in from abroad, and uh, 70%, that's in the first week of July among imported cases. And uh, reiterating what, uh, as I mentioned, President Yoon earlier said during his doorstepping, on Wednesday, the government is expected to unveil response measures based on discussions among health experts and officials. Uh, expanding the booster shot campaign for four shots, for the fourth shot to those in their 50s is being raised as a possibility. Currently, it's uh, those aged 60 and above. I think uh, earlier, 
not only earlier this week, last week, we've been talking about what yeah, the government yeah. could come up with. So I believe it's the booster shot campaign. And uh, places vulnerable to the virus, like nursing hospitals, might restrict visitations. And also the seven-day mandatory quarantine for COVID-19 patients is expected to be maintained. What's not likely is stronger social distancing measures. Yeah, that was the thing mm. that we talked about last yeah. week, right? Whether or not we should put these uh, measures in place. But uh, it's just, I mean, the economy right now, right? It, it's really hard to put these measures back in place. I think this, I, I agree with the seven-day mandatory quarantine measures. I've agreed with it for the longest time ever. But uh, man, this BA5 uh, subvariant is a big concern because even if you've never, even if you have gotten the COVID-19 with the Omicron, you can still get it because of this. And mm -hmm. uh now everyone is uh, making sure that they stack up on the, the mask once again. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk about uh, my favorite kind of rules, uh, <laughs> traffic rules. Uh, for our listeners out there, um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of people not following traffic rules, and I report them. Uh, starting from today, <laughs> South Korea introduced new traffic regulations. Uh, Jisun. Uh, walk us through what we need to know because this is very important if you're in Korea. <laughs> That's right. And starting from today, that is Tuesday, South Korea has implemented new traffic rules and these regulations are introduced to better protect the pedestrians at crosswalks. The first and the biggest change is at intersections. And when the traffic light is, at, is red at the intersections, all drivers must stop completely for at least a brief moment, even when making a turn to the right. Uh, after stopping at the intersection, they may make a turn to the right if and only if no pedestrians are crossing the street. Uh, in case of an accident, the driver will be held responsible for driving while the traffic light ahead is red. Vehicles are not required to stop completely when the light ahead is on green, but when there is a pedestrian on the crosswalk, all vehicles are required to stop completely until the wheels don't move at all. Drivers who do not observe the rules will be imposed a fine of 60,000 won, which is roughly 46 US dollars. Uh, another change has been put in place in school zones. Uh, to protect children in the area, all drivers must come to a complete stop until the wheels are not moving at crosswalks, even if there is there are no traffic lights when driving in school zones and even if there are no children or basically anyone at the crosswalks. Officials came to an agreement in implementing new traffic laws because in Korea, one in three car accidents occurred last year involved pedestrians. And this was more than 50% higher than the average of OECD countries. Uh, hopefully, these new traffic rules will change the traffic culture in Korea, which is currently, I would say, driver-focused than uh, pedestrian-focused. And as the other countries, uh, we hope that this will be uh, shifting our, this, this will help our culture to shift towards the pedestrian focused culture, uh, such as the ones that US or the European countries have. Um, I think, I mean, it, it's transitioning more towards that, but I've always mm -hmm. thought as a driver that, uh, you know, you know, the, the whole thing is if there is an accident, even if like the, the pedestrian does something wrong, like they broke the traffic laws, um, it's still on the driver, mm -hmm. like, you know, they get fined and things like that and a uh, whole bunch of stuff. But, you know, school zones, I mean, that's really important because I, people might be going, well, there's no one at the crosswalks. Why do you got to stop? Right. The thing is, I don't know if you've ever seen like kids pop out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so true. I've had so many times, like, especially like, you know, this, uh, the Arirang area, there's like schools nearby. Mm -hmm. And so in the morning, 
uh, once you kind of roll out of the parking lot, there's that uh, the road that leads into the big road. And I'm just going because there's nobody there. And uh, out of nowhere, this elementary school kid just pops out mm -hmm. of nowhere running across. <gasps> and it, if not for because it's an uphill. Mm -hmm. And so even if I press accelerate, like it goes slow, it mm -hmm. goes slowly up, right? So I press the brakes. And so uh, things like this could happen. Um, again, I I usually follow the traffic regulations as uh, as strictly as possible. But uh, what do you, some people are not big fans of this because they're saying, again, um, it's too pedestrian friendly is what they're saying. Uh, mm -hmm. And so like all the fines being issued to the drivers and so forth. I mean, what are your thoughts on the new traffic regulations? And I think this is important. First off, I want to ask this whole because, oh, you don't drive. Mm -hmm. And I want to get like the most unbiased. Well, actually, you might take the side of the pedestrian then, but <laughs> I want to get the most unbiased kind of take on this. What, what are mm -hmm. your thoughts on this? Well, I, I never drove before, but still... Um, I, even if I was a driver, I think I would be absolutely in favor for this uh, these new regulations because pedestrians are more vulnerable. Uh, I mean, um, absolutely. Yeah, you Good can ha if you have if you're involved in an accident, it's much more dangerous for a pedestrian than a driver because the driver is inside the car, so that's more safer. I'm not talking about car to car accident. I'm talking about car to pedestrian accident. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, uh, because uh, the pedestrians are more vulnerable, I. Think I think uh, I'm absolutely for these new rules. And I think every driver is also a pedestrian uh, in some cases. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's nothing against drivers or anything. It's just a rule to make uh, life more safer. The only concern that I have, though, is I actually didn't know about this new rule coming up. And mm. I think other people will feel the same. So drivers, uh, they might not be really familiar with this yet. I don't know. Do, do well, drivers actually, get any text I, messages? Well, well I actually saw this? an article uh -huh. about this and a report today just came out and it said that just in 30 minutes more mm. than 10 vehicles had made an illegal turn to oh the my. right. <laughs> and this means that people weren't really fully right. aware so of this no... new change. Yeah. And there were there were police officers who were just informing them mm. that the rules has changed. Mm. So I guess we need some kind of time to some get kind used of grace to. period. Definitely. No, there was, the, mean, the, this was not... the grace period. Oh, mm. yeah, I, I, I guess so. I thought there would have been a grace period, but people might have not really, you know, followed the news all the time. But I think the fine is not m that much. So True. I think it's okay. And yeah, I, and one more thing is I don't want any pedestrians to abuse this rule because mm. they know this has changed. <laughs> yeah, because know, there are some people who would okay, do that. Okay, really? let me oh. tell you why Soa says that, right? <laughs> I actually went through this, right? So uh, like my apartment, once you pull out, it's like there's a park there. There's an element. It's like I'm surrounded by school zone, right? Mm. And so I have the, uh, the green light and there's the crossroad. Man, these kids in like middle school, they're just walking. They have the red. They're not mm. supposed to be crossing. And I'm going beep, beep, right? Come on. Like, you're not supposed to be crossing. And they know that I'm beeping. Mm. And so they're going even slower. And what can oh, I do? What? Can I, can I, if I, you know, just drive away, I might get in trouble, right? Because they're, you know, the, there's pedestrians on the crosswalk and there's kids there, right? Uh, that's the thing. But no, I see the thing that I disagree with you guys with uh, not being alerted in regards to, there were so many different. Mm. Uh, like news, there's no different uh, alerts left and right for all the drivers out there mm. that there's changes being made. And this was talked about on January 1st, 
2022, all these changes being made. And so now that there's a grace period, you had all this time to figure it out. And so I've been following this. Uh, and uh, the, yeah, the police, they're, they're basically hiding uh, when you make that right uh, to make sure that uh, everyone is following these rules. So don't do it. Also, uh, you know, you guys didn't mention this, but they also take points uh, mm-hmm. for some of these. Uh, and uh, uh, another thing that they've been uh, really checking up on is whether or not people use the, the blinkers when you uh, cross uh, change lanes. I know there's a lot of people that don't do that <laughs> when they're making your lane changes, but uh, if you report it, it's 30,001. I know it because I've done it. And uh, depending on where you do it, you could also get points for that as well. So I think this is good. Um, these rules are in place because, I mean, kids have been killed because, uh, you know, just drivers, reckless drivers, not following the regulations here. Guys, thank you very much for coming in today with your report and your insights on some of these issues. Please stay safe and uh, we'll see you guys again. Thank See you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.